When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to Wrestling Omikaze episode number 30, you know, our 30th episode here. And this week, it's part two of our Pure Wrestling Grab Bag covering the extreme amounts of footage that have been making tape in Japan over the last two weeks. And our guest today is another returning guest making his second appearance on Omikaze, his first appearance from North America, interestingly enough, Mr. Taylor. Taylor, yes, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. Um, so you you were of course on the the live from Japan special where we spent we spent about 45 minutes talking about YMZ. Um, but that was like <laughs> I I think I'm barely exaggerating actually. The like, only podcast that get that gives YMZ the coverage it truly deserves. I just remember this podcast. I, Ethan, you know, my friend Ethan, who's not a wrestling fan, was like, I guess, there. 
and just standing behind us kind of. And I think he, you know, I asked him later, I'm like, did we talk about YMZ for a long? And he's like, you talked about YMZ for like over a half an hour. And I was like, oh, I didn't expect that going in, but we just had a lot to say about YMZ. We like, we like the show. What can you do? I know. We just all kept raving about it. Um, but yeah, so why they got a show coming up, right? That's making tape. They have a show tape. making tape on Friday. Yeah. Via Nico Nico. So right. I guess everybody's got to look out for that. Check um, it out! Check it out! <laughs> I mean, it really was a fucking awesome show, and, and it's got the card on Friday. He's got um, Oscar versus um, what's his face? The unknown, the unknown wrestler. Uh, Oscar so. in all caps, everybody, just to yeah. make sure. Oh yeah, not WWE Oscar. <laughs> I got in trouble with that before, with people thinking, thinking I spotted uh, the artist formerly known as Con- what was her name? Kana. Kana, yeah. The artist formerly known as Kana in uh at Subo Hall, I'm like, no, I meant the other Asuka. But... Yeah, but Asuka versus Asami Kodaka is yeah. on that YMZ show, so I'm, I'll be checking it out. Yeah, I'm going to watch sure it, I'll tweet about it or something like that. I will definitely watch that. I mean, there's so much wrestling this weekend, but I, I will I will definitely get around to it because I love Asami Kodaka. I love Asuka. I love YMZ. And so. the shows are usually like an hour and 15 minutes, so. Yeah, they're very short. I mean, all the fucking shows we're gonna have to watch this weekend. It's like, yeah. like I'm not. People, people can hate on me all they all they want for this. I am not even bothering with Takeover. It's just like, I will probably if if something gets really hyped, I will probably watch it like three months from now or something when I'm like trying to do like a you know match of the year or whatever. But I'm not gonna because my girlfriend's birthday party is on Saturday, so I'm already gonna have to scramble just to watch. Um, New beginning. New beginning, yeah, which obviously takes precedent. And it's like, I, I actually, I have no idea what's on the TakeOver card. I don't care. So they can... I'm, w- I'm way behind on NXT too, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on. I'm sure I'll watch the TV, like, tomorrow in a panic or something. Yeah. And then watch the show. But, yeah, you know, it's a lot to watch. I mean, all this stuff we watch for this show, I was watching stuff half an hour ago to, oh. you know, <laughs> You know, wrap up. I was finishing the Dragon Gate show, so yeah. Yesterday I was up till like one a.m., which you know isn't that late, but I you know I, I gotta get up for work and stuff. And I was just trying to finish the last Fantastic Mania and Dragon Gate, so I got through those last night. But yeah, I, I just don't have any time to watch anything because unfortunately, like I get home, you know, from work at like seven thirty, and then right. the podcast at eight. So I know I wouldn't have any time today. Although I always have something on in the background, and right now it's eight, it's. For some reason, Samurai today is airing a Road to Dominion show from 2015. Very right? interesting. They, they, yeah, they they air the like the most random shit. It's really Road to it's, Dominion. I would think they would air a New Beginning show. Yeah, it's very weird. Something. I I don't I don't know what it is about the show that they decided to air it, but yeah, right now it's uh Young Lion show Tanaka against Tiger Mask Four. So that's what I got on the television right now, but. Uh, samurai the samurai gimmick is life-changing i have to say it's it was just it was awesome to be able to watch those two fantastic mania shows with the actual uh with the actual music like yeah, trying to watch that, that last show on fucking new japan world they didn't air on samurai i was just like how the fuck did people do this <laughs> well i watched this i watched the spanish commentary for the last show and they i don't know if it's the actual i think for some of it it's not the actual music but they pipe in some music because it was weird the first show everything was muted and then the second show whenever they muted it they just played the theme song 
for everyone. And then the third one, I listened to the Spanish and it seemed like they were piping in some kind of themes, but well, they not... did, well, they, they, well, yeah, they were piping in. I mean, they were overdubbing on the, on the Japanese show too, on the Japanese. Right. But it's like just generic stuff, but like, I don't know. I, I miss not hearing black skin head for Roosh. Yeah. <laughs> and like Frago's dance song and shit. I mean, it certainly takes away. It's a throwback to when, the, you know, they first started and everyone walked out to absolute silence. I know. It's really, it, it does suck. But so do you understand Spanish? Is that why you listen to Spanish commentary? I understand some, but um, when I watch those shows, the commentary, I, I'm not even really listening to it that closely. Yeah. Um, but I just like having the option of, you know, I understand it more than I understand Japanese, certainly. Yeah. And I just like being able to watch a New Japan show kind of with, you know, a different twist. It is a, you know, CMLL show. So when, when, full... now, now, when they have the English option, do you listen to English or Japanese? No, I listen to Japanese. <laughs> so you're one of the, the what, what did Bix call them? The, <laughs> the, the snobs. The snobs. We're saying they're doing it, but not really doing it or something. Like I mean, that. I usually see, I always surprise people. I usually do put on the English and it's, it's like, because I, first of all, everything else I listen to is in Japanese anyway. Like you guys, you know, who people who watch WWE weekly television, you know, are, are, you know, are getting a lot of English wrestling in their lives. And really the new Japan English feed is the only professional wrestling I watch in English. Yeah. Like, that's it's true. the only show I watch that has English commentary other than like, you know, WWE pay-per-views or when I actually bother to watch them. So like <laughs> really for me, it's a big change. It's like, Oh, a show in English. Cool. Cause obviously everything else I watch, you know, DDT and all Japan and big, you know, all the promotions, they're all right. Japanese only. Well, so and my me, thing is my... I'm familiar enough with new Japan where I, I think they're good because I have listened to them in the past. Like I've given it a try just to see, you know, what does it sound like? Oh, you know, what are they talking about? But to me, I'm familiar enough with the show that listening to English to me doesn't add it. I'm not missing anything, not listening to English. Cause it's not like, I'm like, who is this? You know, who is Sonata? What's he, what's his, you know, what's yeah. his deal? What's going on with him? Like, I know that stuff. Whereas if it were some promotion I didn't follow as closely, I would probably opt for English to get a little bit more information. Yeah. Um, no, I hear you. But yeah, really just depends show to show, you know. If- have you have you watched those, uh, that, that new thing they're doing on DT Universe with the English recaps? I haven't watched them yet. So the issue with those is that they air those because they're usually on the Corican shows yeah. and they air those live and they're usually at 10 PM or something when I can watch it on a Saturday night or something. Yes, me too. If I'm free. Yeah. So I watch it live as it's happening with the Japanese commentary. And then a couple of days later they come out and they say, Oh, we have English commentary. Well, no, no, I don't and- think it's English. It's not English commentary on the full show. I don't think. I th- I've, I watched like a couple minutes of it because I was like, oh, so it may not be the full show. But yeah. to me, I've already watched the show a couple days before. Right. I agree. So I don't need to watch it again. Yeah. I mean, I um, never watched. I'd never watched it either. I was just curious if you. If you I have it. watched like two or three minutes of it just to see. I just wanted to see what it's like. Um, and I know on the first one they were like, if people, you know, really watch this, we'll do more. And I think it's a good thing for them to do. So I 
watch some of it to hopefully give them an extra view or yeah whatever so they do more because i think that's a lot easier way for people to get into ddt because ddt especially the lower comedy stuff is really hard (laughs) it's really hard i remember a couple years ago uh when i first tried to get into ddt they had that battle royal where everyone has the this the stuff written on their back i don't remember (laughs) the official name but I'm watching this match and people are coming out. They have things written on their back. And I was like, I have no idea what's <laughs> going on. I don't know who any of these people are. And so I mean, like, look, that, imagine, do you remember that match they did a couple months ago? That was like a, an advertisement for an anime. Oh, with the cell like, phone, with the cell phone killer. Imagine, imagine someone tuning into their first fucking DDT show. They heard, Oh, this DDT thing is cool. I mean, I should check it out. And like, they turn it on and they get the fucking like people falling over and dying because instructions, they don't do what the instructions in Japanese say. Like right. what the fuck? They would well, turn it off and they probably never watch it again. Well, there's that. And then there's the fact, you know, people on the show are doing their kind of, the things they do, you know, they're dancing to Tokyo Go, which is another layer of, oh, this character is a character who, you know, uh, you know, he does PowerPoints or, you know, Super Satango Machine. He does PowerPoints, but to people who just like, they're like, I'm going to give DDT a try. That's even another layer of who is this guy? You're trying to learn about who these people are and then add on the fact, oh, we're going to do a comedy match where a cell phone gives you instructions and if you don't do them you get killed <laughs> and it's based on an anime right it's like <laughs> i know which an anime that sucked by the way oh really I, I tried to watch the first episode and like i don't know it's one of the worst shows i've ever seen i heard it only gets worse so well they certainly not, are do not, not ever watch do not ever watch king's game because ddt told you to everybody well they're not shy with advertising i think this weekend they have a uh tax infomercial match or something like that. Yeah. Something. So they're not picky when it comes to those those low card plug <laughs> matches. Yeah. Movies. You gotta, you're gonna, you're gonna pay us? Okay. Yeah. The check clear? All right. I think that's it. I mean, because it's look, it's comedy anyway. So like, well, who fucking cares that this anime is terrible? It's just a comedy match. Right. So it's not like anyone's gonna stop going to DT because you know, King's Game sucked. Whatever. They really need to, what they need to do is do a pop team epic match. That's what they have to do. I'm know. sure if they get paid, they'll be happy to do it. You send them some money, and they'll be more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah. So before we get into the main our main topics here, I always talk. I've talked about in the show a million times about how great you know going to Japan for the Furusu is. It's the first time in a while that I've had someone else on who actually was there with me. So Taylor, tell the listeners at home how great was going to Japan and seeing the graphs. It was, I mean, it was hard to describe, especially that first week where we were going really almost nonstop. And I think I saw more things that yep. first week than you. Because yep. I went to that to... extra Big Japan show. And Heat Up. Uh, and Heat Up as well, that's right. And there's it's one other just... too. You went to, uh, I think, Seedling. I didn't go to. Which I was oh, like, I did. That's right. That's I was right. gonna, I, go, I was gonna go to that, and I got fucking sick. So that's right. <laughs> basically, what happened, seedling? Because I really wanted to see that. Actually, but what are you gonna do? But it's such a, 
it's such a different experience from going in the United States. Not just, you know, the crowd is different or you're seeing obviously different people, but it's the, at the total atmosphere around it is so much, it's so different that it really gives off a different energy. And I know talking when we were there, we saw that first week, I saw a lot of shows. I saw something like 11 shows in like six days or something. Yeah. <laughs> and if I did that here, by the end of the second show, like I went to the Evolve um, shows here in New York last weekend, Evolve and Style Battle, and they were great shows. But on Sunday, they had Style Battle first and then Evolve. And by the end of Evolve that night, I was tired. I was, you know, I've seen two shows. I'm so, you know, I'm worn out. I've been doing all these things. And in Japan, I could see three shows in a day. And the end of the third show, I was like, oh, let's go to another show. (laughs) We went to, we were at one of the New Japan uh, G1 shows. And the show ended and I remember debating going to the Big Japan Korokin show. Yeah, we almost did it, and we decided not to. And we were like, should we do it? And we ended up not doing it. That would have been our third show of the day, because we'd actually gone to stardom already. Yeah, it would have been our third show of the day. And I think I could... Now, I don't regret that I didn't do it. I think I could have done it, though, which is so different than being in the States and seeing wrestling here. Yeah. Where... It's. I think the crowd is different, and the requirement in the states is if there's no noise, things are going very badly. Or if only a few people, if there's not a chant going, we all have to start a chant right now because no one's mm-hmm. chanting. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be real. It's ninety percent the fans. Like, right. That to me is the biggest difference. Like, I. It's going to sound cliche because obviously the Japan like a sport thing is a cliche. But I mean, if you're in that in these crowds, they are more closer to like what a sporting crowd is in America. Like that to me is just that's the vibe I get because they're they're there to watch. They're not there just in the fact the way that like they're not there to you know debate about who you know who is over and who's doing what. They're not there to to fucking work on their comedy routine, which so many American indie fans, especially and Ring of Honor fans, are there to do. And like right. And they're not there to hackle. They're not. They're, they're there to watch the show, and that is it. But to, to me, it's very similar. Some people are drinking, some people aren't, and they're just there to watch the show. It's, to me, it's very close to what like going to a baseball game is like in America. So I don't know. This is yeah, and I'll I'll also say, I talked a lot about the wrestling, but even if you, I talked about oh, I went to eleven shows in six days, or however many shows I ended up going to. But if you go and you're saying 11 shows, it's, that sounds exhausting. I mean, you can go and explore the country yeah. and you know, hang out in Tokyo. And there's so much to do in Tokyo and it's a beautiful country. So I don't want to undersell the fact <laughs> that you get there and all you're going to want to do is yeah. go watch wrestling all the time because you're going to want to do other things. And it's a beautiful country and they have great food. And it's so interesting just to walk around and Amazing. see amazing transportation system that'll get what's around easy simple transportation yeah um so it would get my highest even outside of if you weren't a wrestling fan and you say i don't want to see any wrestling 
should I go to Japan? My answer would still be you certain you definitely should go to Japan. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, I mean, you know, the second week we didn't really see that many wrestling shows. All we saw was uh, one Dragon Gate show the in the in the middle of nowhere osaka yeah. which was which was awesome by the way yeah that <laughs> was a great city. show what 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 the hell was the name of it, it was like something Dite like daito city or something I oh yeah daito yeah yeah it was such a it was like this cool little like you know it's like don't that like it's a hundred thousand towns a town like a hundred thousand people or something so it's not that big and it was like it was a cool little town to see and you got to walk from the train station to the town hall which is where the wrestling show was. Yeah, that's right in that town hall. And um, but yeah, so we went to Dragon Gate. Um, we went to Big Japan, Death Mania in Nagoya, which is another great show. In Nagoya, which is where the uh, Fantastic Mania show, which we'll talk about, was. No, a uh, different building. No, I think it was the same building. I think this was the this was the Congress. I thought we went to the oh conference hall. Yeah, was it, sure. is it the same building or a different? I'm pretty, sure it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a different building. I think we went to the other one because right. remember there were two. There's two of them that get it looked, used. It looked awfully similar on on video, but uh, maybe maybe, it's... maybe maybe you're right. I don't know. Well, either way, we went to Nagoya and saw Death Mania, and then after that, we went to, back to Tokyo and saw Peter Pan, and that was it. But yeah, I mean, like you don't have to see that many wrestling shows. I mean, honestly, when I go back on my next trip next year, and probably late in late March, early April again. I pro- I almost certainly will reduce the number of shows I, I go to just to because I felt like especially in Tokyo I just didn't do as much as I did on my first trip. Yeah, the Tokyo thing. I think we got a lot of that second week. We were better split between doing things in the city where we were and seeing wrestling. That first right. week in Tokyo, there were certainly things where I thought, oh, I should do this, and then I kind of had a list of here's the ten things I want to do, and I got to six of those because just the time. Yeah. Didn't allow, but you know. I mean, even wrestling related stuff, I didn't remember to do. Like, I really wanted to see the DDT bar. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I totally forgot about it. It's like called a uh, Dropkick or something. Yeah, yeah, I think Dropkick's the name of it. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I think part of it was just that I got sick on that second week and I just, it really it did a lot of damage to a lot of my plans. But yeah. hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen next time. But yeah, still an amazing trip, though. I don't want to. And it was hot. So, August, I yeah. might, <laughs> I might advise. Maybe going in a different month besides August, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are going though because the G one's at Budapest. Right, because of the G one. I mean, it's tough yeah. to not go because of the G one, but it gets very, very. It was, I think, ninety nine the third day I was there. So yeah, I mean, we'll talk. You know, if, you know, if people, I know a lot of people are going are going because they want to, really want to see the G one at Budokan. So if you have any questions, you know, you can feel free to tweet at either one of us. I guess. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any, Although, any questions. I will say, Let's talk about it. I saw some guy asking about like tickets again on on I think on Twitter. I haven't been able to give him an answer because like New Japan, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but they they changed their ticket provider. Like, the, oh really? Like for the I don't know if it's permanent or not, but like they're not using that ticket both thing that you guys used, and that I don't think I had to use it this time. I think because I had the fan club. But yeah, so, so the answer, like, how do Americans purchase tickets is, I don't know. <laughs> I have to go look at, I'm going to have to look that up probably for, you know, if not, hopefully not for myself. If I have the, I keep my fan club active right. and, you know, have an address there. But then, I mean, that, to, to, so to answer that question, basically, the, the ideal way to get tickets, if you know somebody with a Japanese address and they let you use their address, it has to be an actual Japanese address. It can't be one of those forwarding services because they won't deal with tickets is to join the new japan fan club because that is the only way you can get like premium seats because like we're talking like ringside because like the ringside seats will sell out 
you know, before the before the on sale date. So you have to have fan club access to get premium like ringside seats. You you really have to have fan club access to get New Year Dash at all, other than um like you know. Other well, than, yeah, like, I know New, at New Year Dash, some people got them and then their tickets got. I heard their tickets got canceled or something like that this year. So well, that show is it's a hot ticket. It's in a smaller venue. Yeah, the problem is that there's so many wrestling fans in Tokyo, and you know, it's the day after the Tokyo Dome, and it's, you know, you're going from a forty-five, what is it, like forty-five thousand seat venue to like a <laughs> two thousand seat venue? Yeah, two thousand or so. Yeah, so it's like it's obviously a lot of more, a lot more demand and supply, but they'll never move it because it's just like a, you know, it's such a well, it gives it the atmosphere of that second day, and the people they always have something going on and it gives the atmosphere of, you know, these fans really reacting to whatever happens. So, yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't to be clear, I don't think they should move it, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just going to be a very hard ticket to get, I think forever. And it's only going to get harder now that more and more foreigners are going. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why, that's why I would like recommend something more low key, like, you know, like Sakura Genesis, that was around the time I went to my first trip when it was called Invasion Attack in 2016. And like, just, you, you still, you still got to see a lot of shows because uh, the champion carnival starts like the week before usually, um, or now it might be the week after. Now they, they well, and and actually I think this year, if you, you could go in about a week and see uh, the, the big DDT show judgments oh, yeah, that's true. and the next week is Sakura Genesis. Cause I think Sakura Genesis is on the first yep. this year. Yeah. So I'm gonna to have to keep that in mind for next year. See if they do that again. So you, yeah, you would, could do yeah, that. That would that would obviously own if I could see. That's what we did. We saw the G1 final right. and Peter Pan. So if we could see Judgment and, uh, you know, but I don't know if Judgment's gonna. Is, that's the big question: Is Judgment gonna be the same time next year? Since Peter Pan has to be, or, or yeah, since Peter Pan has to be moved way back. Because Is Peter the, Pan in November now. Yeah, it's in November because of the renovations. So. I mean, I I would hope Judgment would still be in March, but you never know. So, I guess we'll find out. Probably they'll probably yeah. announce that at Peter Pan. I'm thinking. Oh, so. I'm sure. Either at Peter Pan or a little bit after. Yeah. If they move it back, they might announce it in the December shows or something like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's Japan. Everybody should go. Not highly topic, recommended. <laughs> if I'm going to have somebody on who I went to Japan with, it's going to come up. Here's another topic that we can talk about, though. Raw 25. Oh, baby. Uh, Here we go. People, so you and I, you also sat through the entire three hours and watched it live, right? I watched the entire three hours, hours and 20 minutes live. When's the last time you did that for a Raw? Watched the entire Raw live? I was trying to remember when it was happening because it's been a long... It, it has got to be at least three years. Oh, it's probably... Probably a lot more than that. Okay, because the last time I sat through an entire Raw live was, or at all actually, I don't even I don't even watch them in DVR. The entire time I sat through an entire Raw live or DVR was the night after Mania 2016. So that was my last okay. one. And you know, th- I, I went I went to sit down and watch the Mania after the Raw after Mania this year, this past year, and gave up in like an hour and a half, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, that's about as long as I could stand it. But this Raw 25 show, I'm like, look, they normally do nostalgia pretty well. You know, I'm going to give it a shot here and you know, see what see how it goes. And dear God, <laughs> I oh. mean, it was three, three hours and 20 minutes of the worst, like, fucking horse shit. 
I um, will I will say this. <laughs> the start was good. To start off, I will say the there were so now I haven't watched live in, as I said, at least three years. And most of the wrestling I watch is on a streaming service or you know, on DVD or something like that. Yeah. There were so many commercials. Yeah. I mean, that is really the first thing that hits you is just I I mean like look, I, I have the results up, okay? These matches were not going that long. Even no. I, I assume these results include the commercials. Like uh, the eight woman tag went twelve minutes. The Miz versus Roman Reigns went twelve and a half minutes. Both of those matches, I believe, definitely the women's eight man, I think the Miz and Roman Reigns match too had at least had two commercial breaks. I know the women's match did. The, the women's, women's match definitely, match definitely did. did. I think Roman and Miz did too, but it might not have. But it, it at least it had at least one. Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews versus Rhino and Heath Slater, which went I think like six minutes. That had a commercial break. That was the one where I like almost I almost screamed at my television. I was like, even that, even this fucking stupid, pointless tag match in front of a dead fucking crowd, even that has to have a commercial break. But I like that. I'm used to big matches having a commercial break. The last time I watched Raw, they, you know, even years and years going, years and years back, big matches have commercial breaks. But mid card, low card, you know, just random fucking tag matches, they never had commercial breaks when I watched Raw every week. That was not a thing. Well, and I haven't watched it. I haven't watched in so long that I don't know if my brain has just now become. Used to saying, I'm going to watch uh, whatever it is, even a movie or a TV show or anything, you know, on Netflix or something like that. I'm used to having no commercials. Yeah. So I don't know if it was that really smacking me in the face or if it was something else. And I think, look, if the show would have been a barn burner from start to finish, (laughs) I'm sure the commercials would have seemed less terrible. Yeah. Not that I was expecting to turn on Raw and see the greatest <laughs> show I've ever seen, the greatest wrestling show I've ever witnessed. But it was... it was, Yeah, it was aggressively terrible. That's what it comes down to to me. Like, it wasn't... I was expecting a, you know, maybe a, 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 an okay show. Probably, like, not that great. But, you know, there'll be some nostalgia. And, you know, it'll, it'll be whatever. It was... Like people, people know that I hate WWE. Okay, it's practically my gimmick at this point. It was still, I the bar I set for them is pretty fucking low, and they found a way to burrow into the earth and be several hundred feet below it. They didn't even come close to my very, very, very low bar. It was so fucking bad. I uh, thought the first segment was pretty good. Because I, uh, I remember I guess, going. I do remember. Look, the start. Do you remember how it started though? With the with the plaque, or with no, them no, no, being at Manhattan Center and, and sending off the alarm, or well, that that is true that they started in Manhattan Center, but my, they cut to Michael Colt ringside. And do you know? Do you remember what Michael Colt said? Oh, he said one one night only treat. We're here at ringside. Yeah, yeah. and then he says, "Let's get right to the action." And it cuts oh, to the right. ring. That's right. Let's get right to the action. He says. They cut to the ring. Shane and Stephanie McMahon are staying there, and they start talking. That's apparently what the that's apparently WWE speak for "Let's get." When I hear the words "Let's get right to the action," Taylor, do you know what I expect? 
A long perhaps, talk. <laughs> no, I perhaps expect a professional wrestling match or something like a conference. Let's get right to the action to Michael Cole meant. Let's get to Shane Stephanie McMahon performing verbal fellatio on their father. Cause that's what we got. And it was well, like, <laughs> well, the thing about it for me is he says, let's get to the action. You want a match, but then the matches you get, <laughs> well, that's, are, that's true. not all that great. So you're like, well, I don't really miss that. We're not going to, you know, I like yeah. stone cold coming out and doing his, thing i guess so that's the replacement versus that was by far the best part of the show yeah is that if it's that versus bray wyatt and matt hardy i'll take the you know stone cold can do three hours of a stunner line i mean i I saw multiple people on twitter that night say this show would have been significantly better if it was three hours of just steve austin giving people stunners which yes is very true i mean that's what some of the rods were back in the day just like two hours of him stunners and it was that those were significantly better shows than this was um but yeah let's talk a little bit about manhattan center so sure so you you taylor you work not that far from the manhattan center correct Um, i work about 10 blocks or so and you work in an industry that involves procuring show tickets yes so you tried to get a ticket to the show and you were told it couldn't be done is that correct so i went to buy tickets the tickets got the tickets got sold out very quickly and I asked someone I know who works with the theater or works. It's not a theater man. It's a Manhattan center yeah. uh, who works with the building. I said, is there any way I can buy it? You know, sometimes they hold tickets or things like that. I said, is there any way I can buy a ticket? He said, I'll check. He checked. He said, there's no seats. It was totally sold out. Um, Cause he had asked, you know, how much are you willing to, pay and i said not really knowing what was going on but in my head saying oh there's going to be the stars here and there's it's going to be fun in the manhattan center the manhattan center is small and i've never been i've been to the hammerstein uh but not to the manhattan center i think i've been to manhattan because i think that's the one they ran did they run the tna typings in the smaller one i think they don't even remember i think they ran the tna typings the smaller ones but i could be wrong um so i figured you know a hundred bucks is more that I would like to pay, but for this show, whatever it came back, they don't have any seats. So I said, Oh, well, doesn't matter either. doesn't matter either way. So I don't have to worry about it and I'll just watch it at home. And did you and, see what the prices were going for on, on the secondary market? Well, yes, yeah, so I, I checked a couple hours before the show just to see, you know, if someone yeah. happened to be selling their ticket for $25 or something, not that I thought that people would be doing that. Yeah. Um, if someone said, Oh, I can't sell this. Here's a ticket for 25 bucks. I would buy it for not even 25 or 30 or however much, but yeah. a price I deemed pretty cheap. I would snatch it up, but they were going, I think the cheapest ticket I found searching on a lot of sites was two. 220 or something like that yeah 220 i mean i when i was looking in the week before you know the, the cheapest most of the time the cheapest seat was like 285 and then i saw it get as low as 250 so even 220 was cheaper but yeah like you're talking in somewhere in the 200s is the point and there were people who paid 800 dollars to go to the show oh, face yeah. value eight like you got a ringside ringside seat and a meet and greet for 800 dollars to manhattan center okay what they got for their money. First of all, if you paid a hundred dollars for that, I you you would have been incredibly ripped off. 
I would have, I would have been, I would have been upset. I would have been more upset if I paid eight hundred dollars. But yeah, but even a hundred, even a hundred, I would have said this was not, were not worth it in the slightest. I'll say this: I was looking up um, on Cage Match all of this before the show just to refresh what happened, uh, and they've split the Raw show into Barclays oh. and Manhattan Center in the results. And the Manhattan Center portion of the night has a 0.97 out of 10 grade <laughs> on cage match. <laughs> so it was you obviously... read, 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 you have it open. Read the results for us. What 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 did the fine fans of the Manhattan Center get for in ring action? All right. They got uh, two dark matches to start. They got Mustafa Ali defeats Lince Dorado. Does it have a match time or match, no? Which was during... Uh, it doesn't say a match time because... It was during the commercial. It was during the commercial and it's yeah. a dark... They don't have so, times for either so, of the dark matches. So it must have been like three minutes. Right. Because uh, they did not have matches going on. Like So they had a screen set up to watch the Ron and the Barclays. They did not have matches going on while... The, the show is going on at Barclays. You were supposed to sit there in your seat and be satisfied with watching this fucking screen and watch Raw, you know, watch Raw happen at the other arena. That's what you're supposed to be doing, just to be clear. Then the next match, they had Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami defeat Drew Gulak and Tony Nese, which also doesn't have a time, but I know it lasted about two minutes. Yeah. They brawled to the back or something like that and then yeah. came out at the next commercial break. And, and kept fighting and the crowd booed them. Yes, and the crowd like booed them vociferously. They were at this point. We're starting. To, this is like the the entire first hour. They, they got nothing at the Manhattan Center on camera. It was and this J- was the J- point where they were. There were reports they were chanting refund and yeah. bullshit and. Jr. Like King. They introduced. They they played the siren. Jr. King said hello. They cut to Barclays. We did not cut back for a full hour. Okay, the entire first hour of Raw took place in in Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Which, by the way, even people who went to the Barclays apparently were pissed off at this thing because, you know, it, it seems it doesn't it seems like they got the great end of the deal here, but they did not get a full Raw for their money. Right. <laughs> I mean, they had to look at screen as whenever they cut to Manhattan Center, yeah. the people in Barclays were looking yeah. at a screen. And, like, they those tickets were not cheap either because, you know, they Rich and Joe had talked about this on the, the Patreon-only uh, recap they did. Like, my friend had been trying to convince me. You know Quinlan. He was on the trip with us. Right. He had been trying to convince me for weeks to go to this fucking show. And, you know, I told him, like, first of all, I'm not I don't, I'm not giving these these pieces of shit my money. But even beyond that, I was like, I don't think this show is going to be that good. I'm not, I don't want to spend the money. And, I, and he would have me look up the prices. I never saw, like, the cheapest seat on SeatGeek get below $85. So if I had paid $85 for that fucking show... I would have been pretty pissed, even at Barclays. Right. So, but yeah, so they cut back. So after the full hour, they cut back to Manhattan Center. Do you remember the first thing the the fine fans of Manhattan Center got? Was that Undertaker promo? It was an Undertaker video package. Oh, that's they right. Cut, that's they right. cut back to the Manhattan Center, and they're all, and they. Took, I think it was Jr. He's like, "Let's go on video pack," and they they cut this fucking video. So they cut back to Manhattan Center. Like the Manhattan Center fans, are like, okay, we're finally going to get something. And then, and then they had to look back at the video screen and watch another video package. Then they got that Undertaker promo, which that's right. Very, very cool. You have to see the Undertaker talk about really absolutely nothing <laughs> but, for a couple minutes and then walk out. Yeah, 
So then at that point, they cut back, I think, to Barclays, right? And then they... They cut like, back to Barclays for, I think, another half an hour or so. Yeah, and that was like, what, the Miz and Roman Reigns? That was the Miz and Roman Reigns. More what of that you, poker game. More of the poker game. What did you think of that Miz and Roman Reigns match? I thought it was fine. <laughs> That's exactly the reaction. Okay. I saw people... I was watching Twitter, too. There was, I think that was half the reason why I hadn't turned it off. And there were certain people on Twitter... You know, I'll throw one name out there since he's a fairly famous uh, wrestling pundit, and you know, I don't think it's rude or anything to point out his his takes. Dylan Hales, Dylan Hales seemed very into that Roman Reigns of the Miz match. He was talking about what a great match it was. Yet another great Roman Reigns match on TV. Who could have guessed? Blah blah blah. It was fine. It was a three star match, the likes of which you and I probably see. You know five or six matches that good on like any on any normal card would you agree without sitting without sitting through all the other crap yes i would agree and i would say as someone who doesn't watch raw regularly i do often see people talking about certain things and if i see people really talking up a match or something i will go and i'll watch it like, for example, on the New Year's Day show, they had that Roman Reigns-Samoa Joe match, which got a lot of talk of, oh, it's the first great match of the year because it happened on New Year's Day. And I went back and watched, and I that was another one where I said that was a fine match, but it didn't... It was a fine match, you know, probably three stars or something, and I move on. Yeah, now, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes last year there was some Braun Strowman, Sami Zayn. I don't know if it was a false count anywhere match or it had some stipulation where they were fighting around the arena or something. And that got a lot of hype. And I watched that and I actually really did like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, once in a while it is really good. Like, I think there's one of that one of those big show Braun matches. You know, I think I checked out the same reason what ended up being really good and like a Rain Cesaro match. But for the most part, I think what you're what my point is like if these are the matches that people are yelling and screaming about and how great they are every week, they can keep it. I'm not it's not worth sitting through three fucking hours of of the rest of this crap to get one pretty good match. One right. match that is fine. Roman Reigns jumped all over the place. He punched people in the face. You know, he did a weird, like awkward that 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 last uh, Superman punch he hit where he like, he jumped past the Miz and like extended his fist like backwards almost into the side. It was really weird. But yeah, like he, you know, he it was fine. It was a fine match, but it was not worth sitting through the rest of the show to see. And if my life, if I had not seen this match, my life would not be significantly altered. Your life would move on, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but again, fine match, you know, Miz wins back the Intercontinental title. <laughs> then they got back to the Manhattan Center. Someone's music hit, Taylor. Whose music hit? Uh, the the <laughs> actually the person I voted worst gimmick in the Wrestling Observer newsletter for 2017, <laughs> Bray Wyatt. That was the point where I I well, you know I, my girlfriend was in the room at this point and wondering what the fuck she did wrong in her life to end up having to sit through this. And that's why I turned to her and I said, they are doing this on purpose. Like, this is, like, how the fuck can you really say you didn't know 
that you were you were basically trolling these people to put fucking Bray Wyatt out there. You make them wait an hour and a half, and they see nothing at this point but one Undertaker promo, and you put out Bray Wyatt? Bray Wyatt! Well, <laughs> actually, I think to the... <laughs> I actually think to some of the people in the Manhattan Center, they were excited to see him. <laughs> I have a hard time separating my personal opinion of Bray Wyatt, which is I don't like. <laughs> I like I don't dislike him as a person, obviously, but the gimmick is just so, <laughs> the gimmick is so. And he's a shitty wrestler. Horrible. I mean, he's not a he's not a great wrestler. Um, but I think it was so weird because after seeing. You know, all these reports, they're chanting refund. Oh, what if they riot? What if people start rioting? What if they do this or that? Bray Wyatt came out and they were all very docile. You know, they chanted, we got something or we want something or whatever they chanted. And then... Matt Hardy came out and they did the delete and it seemed like, oh, although, well. they, although they did, they, they did it pretty half-assed. I mean, I was expecting that to get a way bigger reaction than it did. But I'm thinking if I had been there and I had been there for an hour and a half and seen one Undertaker promo and Bray Wyatt came out, I would just start, I would just start booing. Yeah. Well, I think I, what I think it comes down to is the people, especially paid a lot of money, probably like they probably want to make the best of it and, Right, convince themselves they're seeing something good, but but even so, I think that the mat the, the reaction to Jitter were way quieter than they would have been if the crowd was. I think the crowd just kind of, you know, they just didn't make a lot of noise for that match. And I yeah, think I think it was, was a it, it was it was a cheer, but a kind of defeated. Yeah. Hey, we're getting so. something. We're getting anything at all. Yeah, which is better than nothing, or staring at the screen, or getting some <laughs> dark match that goes two minutes. Yeah. But but yeah, so they got through that match. Um, you know, they did. Who cares about the poker shit and all the? The one thing I will say I'm surprised by is just how fucking lazy a lot of the nostalgia was. Like I remember old school Raw and Raw One Thousand. Like those, I'm sure aren't like all time classic shows, but at least felt like made an effort to like do something with the with the legends. Like there were two segments at Barclays that was literally just, hey, remember remember the, remember the women. We're gonna play the music, and they're gonna come out one by one and stand there. It was like a, it was like the Hall of Fame. It was like the, the Raw. It was like the Hall, the Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, and like and they did again. Oh, remember these GMs? Which, by the way, how the fuck do you not do that? Do bring out Hornswoggle, which would have been awesome because yeah. you know he was the no one probably remembers that he was the anonymous GM. It would have been really funny for the hardcore fans. But WWE do something cool or funny for the hardcore fans. Well, they set it up. I mean, they set it up so weirdly in that that to go back to that first Austin segment, that was nostalgia, but it was also part of the, you know, hey, everyone, we're celebrating 25. It was part of the story as opposed to just, yeah, here's a lineup of people, you know, like they didn't do anything with them. They just brought them out. They fucking got a pop and they waved and they left. Like it was very perplexing to me. Like, like, just this is the best thing you have: Eric Bischoff, John Laurinaitis, um, Teddy Long. I don't even know who the fuck else. Who else was there? Because they didn't have Vicky, which is the best one of all time. Uh, the, I mean, have, Daniel Bryan. He's Daniel on the Bryan he's on the roster, kind of. Roster. But. They had Paul Heyman there, and he's a former GM, but they didn't bring him out as a former GM. Um, but yeah, I don't know who else was there. But the point is, you have all these people. 
Just write a fucking segment. Do something. Why are they just standing there waving? What the fuck is this? I don't know. I was very perplexed by just how lazy it was. Like, you spent all this time building up this show. You're getting your biggest audience of the year, probably, to tune in this fucking show, or one of your biggest audiences, and this is what you deliver? Here's a bunch of people to stand there to come out and wave. You know, here's some shitty matches. You know, a Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews versus Ryan on Heath Slater. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I just, it was really, I was just really perplexed by just the lack of effort in it all. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And there were reports. I don't remember if I watched any of it, but the Raw One Thousand. Um. Well, I had one the, of the biggest turns of all time with CM Punk in the main of, in the right. turning turning on. But Raw, being so much better than what they did here, and what what has changed between, yeah, in six years, right? Yeah, and less now, than, like five and a half years. I don't know. It's it's very perplexing to me, and it almost it, it it at times that show felt like it was not meant to be enjoyed. You know, like I'm not I'm not trying to troll here. That show felt like. Like it was not meant to be enjoyed at all. And well, it also feels like they have standard nostalgia things that they do, and they're relying on those things to continue to excite an audience. Here's DX. Oh, and here's Triple H and Shawn Michaels. They're coming out. Oh, maybe they'll say something inappropriate because they were inappropriate before, but oh, wait, they can't do it now. I mean, how many times? They've done that a million times. It's Have they done shit. that? Yeah. I mean, Austin worked and I enjoyed it. But every time he comes back, that's it's what he does. Now, he's such a great performer and he's so rarely around. The, a- the, can- AP, the AP poker game too, right? Didn't that feel like something you've seen a million fucking times? Yes. Well, and you have Ron Simmons saying, damn. And the fact is he said, damn, on WWE TV for i don't how long how long was he doing that that gimmick where he would do it every single week yeah i mean look what was the the other the only other thing that i would even call good on that show i mean i can see an argument for oscar you know getting to lay everybody out for the woman's match that was i guess that was fine that was pretty good um elias and jericho was cool and jericho was extremely over and even he got his new japan shirt on tv which i couldn't believe um it, it was a cute little segment but like my my whole, but I will be honest, and you know this is probably my my biggest quote unquote pure elitist remark of the evening. Didn't it seem like Jericho was above that shit? Like, didn't it kind of come off like okay, he's lowering himself to this bullshit again? But you know, don't, um, don't, not to don't, me, only okay. because he has that he has that kind of comedy character of you know, yeah, you're on the list. I don't know, like it's just, I I I got this. I I don't mean like he's above Elias. I meant he's above. Right. I meant he's above doing that gimmick. Like it felt like it felt like this. It felt like this was something he was doing. You know, ah, oh, yeah, I'm gonna come back and do the list. But it felt like he was above that at this point. And I was just waiting for him to like put on a growl and go go be the Jericho that that beat the shit out of Naito at New Year Dash. Like you know, I I I wasn't into Jericho when he first showed up in New Japan. And I wasn't really into the Omega feud until I saw the match, which, you know, I didn't like as much as some people, but I still, it was still way better than I expected. And, you know, when he did the, da- the angle with Naito, at that point, I got it. It's like, well, he's, he's a serious heel. 
He's just invading this invading wrestler, and, he, and it's the best you know work he's done in years. And here he is on WTV. You know, you're on the list. Let me show you how to play guitar. It just felt like okay, Chris, get your get your yucks in. But you know, we I, I just kind of want to see you go back to being, you know, a serious professional wrestler again. That's kind of right. how I felt watching. That I guess I just. I guess, and I this will probably sound terrible, but the rest of the show was so terrible, was so bad <laughs> that it. I mean, you could argue, okay, the character is not serious, but in that company, and really before the Omega match happened or the the whole build, I mean, he used that. To, people like it. He used it to get over, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to kill himself in the ring. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's not old, but he's not young. Yeah. And so I don't mind that he comes, especially for something like this where he's just backstage and it's Oh, I don't just... I mean, no, no, no. I didn't I didn't mind it either. I thought it was a great segment. I'm just saying it just felt a little bit like, you know, okay, you're above this now. I don't know. That's kind of right. the, that's kind of the feeling I had in it. It's like, this is cute, Chris, but go go let I I'm more looking forward to go seeing you be an actual professional wrestler again. Right. That's kind of the reaction I had. But I, I like the segment. It was one of the few things in the show I thought was good. And again, and Elias, when he went out there and did his song, I thought he was great. When he laid out Cena, it was awesome. I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, the Jimmy I, Fallon ad was totally unnecessary. I yeah. don't know why he was there or what his purpose was, except to look slightly confused in the front row. Yeah. Um, and just to add... I don't know. They were on, they were on Fallon, and that's how that all came about. I don't know how many people are watching Jimmy Fallon and saying, "Wow, these people who sang, who lip sync to Moana, they're pretty cool." I guess I'll watch the show because Jimmy <laughs> Fallon will be there. And I didn't. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it. So yeah, I watched. I mean, the segment was only four minutes long or something like that. So I watched the whole thing, um, and it was, it's what you expect from that kind of thing and that the new day was there and they did this lip sync battle. And of course the new day, I like the new day. I understand that they kind of have this juvenile humor or juvenile sensibility to them, but they have good matches and people like them. Um, And they're obviously having a lot of fun doing this with the three of them. And that came off to me on the show as they were lip syncing. It came off as them being like, hey, we get this opportunity to do this. Let's really do well and have a lot of fun. And they were so much fun. And the minute it ended, they were swept aside. And it was, oh, here comes Stephanie and Triple H. Oh, what are they going to do? Now all the focus has to be on them. And the, the segment ended. And it was like New Day had been shoved off to the side. They were not important because ah, now we're talking with Stephanie and Triple H and oh, they're doing something and they're very important. Which again, and, and Stephanie's, you know, the, the fucking woman for a rumble it came out right. today that she's going to be the commentator. And, you know, Sundays where a rumble has to, Stephanie McMahon has to inter- interject herself and, you know, make sure everybody knows that she's the real star of that division. So apparently certain women's wrestling advocates don't seem to have a problem with it, but. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, personally, as a as a big fan of women's wrestling, I think it'd be pretty cool if the the fucking boss wasn't trying to make it about herself. But you know, other people don't feel the same way. Apparently, other people say, "Wait and see." 
I mean, and that's a larger conversation of what's going on. Why can't they, you know, why aren't these people stars? And it's, here's a big opportunity. You're on television. You're on a television show. Now I don't watch Jimmy Fallon. But plenty of people do. Lots of people do. I mean, I don't watch any real late night TV really, but people watch his show and his stuff. It goes, it goes viral and people see it. People watch it, especially that lip sync stuff. I mean, so popular. They made a separate TV show about it. that he's producing that is your it's a huge opportunity to say hey these guys that we have or (laughs) if you wanted to bring on some of the women these women we have these are the stars of wwe and they took that time to say uh these guys are here but also look it's me it's me i'm triple h i'm here and steph and stephanie mcmahon (laughs) i'm the i don't remember i'm the the brand officer Chief brand officer, that's right. And that is what it, and, and it's perfect, honestly. The perfect title for her and her fucking glory stealing role. Because what is WWE about? It's about the brand. It's all that matters is the world wrestling entertainment brand. The individual wrestlers don't matter. You know, storylines don't matter. Titles don't matter. You're tuning in to the fucking circus and you're tuning into the world wrestling entertainment, uh, you know, television program. But yeah, I mean, like, just, let's finish wrapping up the show, I guess, because we're a little, we got a little off topic. I don't even yeah. remember why we, we were talking about that. But so we they they went to that they did that match right with the yep. uh, the tag match that came about from the poker. Oh, that's right. And, yep. Yeah, and, and they, so they, that when that like I said when that match cut to commercial break, that was where I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? We can't even get through a four minute jobber match without commercial break." But then they cut back from commercial. Like the moment they cut back, there's a disqualification, which, you know, at this point I was like crying, laughing, watching this shit. And the Dudley boys come out. Uh, very, very hip act here. I mean, very not well, I mean, you know, I know it's a nostalgia show, but like they well, they were they were just a full time team, like what, last year or something? I think so they like, broke up in the, at the end of twenty sixteen or something like, like that. So about a year really, ago. really missing those Dudleys a, a whole year away. But yeah, they 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 come back and they put uh, Heath Slater through a table and the segment ends. The Dudley Boys used to put like fucking five people through a table every week, right? They used to put multiple yeah. people through tables all the time. Here they came out, they put a man through a table and the segment ended. I was just like, okay. And I think they cut to commercial again. And then <laughs> they go back to the Manhattan Center. DX comes out, right? Um, they didn't even get that big a pop because I think these fans were really pissed at that point. And Hunter basically cuts his fucking NXT promo. Yeah, like, that's what I said at the time. I said, oh, he's doing an NXT promo to hype the crowd up. It might as well. He's like, hey, get, get excited, Manhattan Center. Um, you know, they bring, they do the exact same thing they always do, where it's like they tease that they're the only ones there, but then they bring out the Outlaws, and they bring out X-Pac, and they bring out Scott Hall, and the weird, like, I thought my TV broke for a second. Yeah, that weird like, commercial they had. Like, Scott Hall comes out in this fucking suit. He's doing his, you know, his pose in the, in the middle of the fucking entryway, and it just cuts to black. And then finally, commercial starts playing. Just like, did, 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 did someone actually write and, like, take out the feed? And then said, like, what the, what the hell just happened? And they come back, and, you know, Scott Hall gets to cut his promo. I don't even know what the hell he said. Um, <laughs> and then Finn, so everybody was I, I guess people thought that this was building up to you know the revival getting owned right because they had like come right. out and they, I guess they had come out on previous weeks and said something about how you know 
what, like the 80s people suck or whatever. Well, they had or, or not, promos of, or, only the only not, not the 80s people suck. The, the 80s were great, and the current people we're, were the current. only wrestlers yeah. on the roster, and everyone else is sports entertainers, but we're wrestlers. Yeah, and it's like this is this is heel because nothing is a bigger heel to Vince McMahon than a professional wrestler. And he's cutting this promo, or they're cutting these promos anyway. It's like, okay, well, I guess we know who is getting destroyed at uh, at Raw 25. The, the the tag team of the year, by the way, for 2016. Um, That's right. Had classic match after classic match, you know, on, with, on those NXT takeovers. And here they are in WWE, uh, come, you know, everybody preparing them to for them to come out and get destroyed. But yeah, f- but they don't come out here. Finn Balor and... The club come out, and one of the funniest things I think in the entire night that people might have missed is, I guess one of these super fans is like what the Mets fan or something. I don't know these WWE super fans, but he's uh, a yeah. guy. I'm the wrong he's a guy in a asked. he's a guy in a Mets jersey, so I'm pretty sure it was hit this Mets super fan, like Finn Balor and and the club come out and they're walking past this guy in a Mets jersey and he starts turns to camera and goes, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" You're chanting holy shit because three WWE contracted wrestlers are coming out in front of your in front of you basically after you just sat through three hours of absolutely nothing. And you're chanting holy shit because Finn Balor and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are walking out in front of you. Interrupt the DX promo. The infamous club. They're here. I don't use this word. Pretty much ever. That man is the biggest cock in the history of cocks, sir. You probably he was at ringside, so he probably paid eight hundred dollars oh, for I'm that sure. fucking fee. And he is chanting "Holy shit!" after that fucking show because Finn Balor and the club are here. Like that was the spot that was just like, okay, these people deserve this. Honestly, good on WWE for fucking owning these nerds. <laughs> well, yeah, knowing exactly that the minute they put something out there, everyone would say, "Wow, we actually really liked it." <laughs> so Finn Balor and the club get in the ring and they tease a confrontation. Instead, they all do the too sweet, and there you go. It's a big happy family, I guess. And then the revival come out to do their big to do their big geek spot. But before that, in in a in a swerve, I guess first they decide to have a wrestling match. 50 seconds. Yep. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson fucking squash them, hit the magic killer, one, two, three. And then everybody else hits the ring and gives this, these two incredibly talented men, the best tag team in the world for 2016, match after match after match of great matches. A minute, 50 seconds, they lose, and then all the old men give them their move. And, they, and they're left laying in the ring like fucking the biggest geeks who ever geeked. It was just like, wow. This, this, this One segment could not possibly encapsulate modern WWE more than this segment. Old people came out. Some other people came, who don't really matter came out. Fans acted like this was actually a big fucking deal for some reason. Two really talented people came out and got squashed for no reason. And then all the old people went over the young people. The end. Like that's modern well, and WWE also, the show. There was that... They all took their... They took... The Revival took everyone's finishers... Yeah, and I mean, this could be a whole other conversation of the WWE camera work. <laughs> I, I could have a whole, I could have a whole podcast about that because it's <laughs> atrocious. 
But one of the funniest things was Finn Balor coming out. The one current star that is kind of getting over with this segment. He's looking good. He's leading the club. He's doing the too sweet. Oh, I, I just realized where you're going with this. He's doing the too sweet with them. And <laughs> one of the revival is down and, you know, there's a tight zoom or something on Triple H going, get on the, get on the rope and do your coup de gras. And Finn gets up on the ropes and he goes to do it and the camera cuts away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, guys. <laughs> I don't even, what did they even cut to? They got they the nice. To, they cut to the crowd, right? Or something. I don't even know if it was a cut away from the ring, but the way they cut is the minute a move happens, a cut has to happen. So you miss <laughs> the move. They did it with the stunner too. And at the beginning of the show, now that was okay because it hit the fact that Vince McMahon takes the stunner. Like he's, <laughs> he's, don't gently, he's gently he's 150 he's, instead of how he takes the stutter like he is gently putting himself down for a nap. That's how he's always taking the stutter. So in that way, it was like, all right, this is fine because you cut at the moment where if you didn't cut it, would it look bad? But to cut at the moment of the impact of the coup, I was like, ah. A man is jumping off the top rope and stomping his feet in another man's midsection, okay? This is one of the few moves in WWE that actually, that actually looks like it fucking hurts. And you cut away, so we, that's just the point of impact. How, God forbid we see we see a, a cool move on Monday Night Raw. We have to see, I don't know, a, the, the Mets fan picking his nose, whatever the fuck they cut away to. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something. I mean, just I didn't even think of the production part, but you're right. I totally forgot they basically missed the coup de gras, the double foot stomp. But yeah, we've talked way longer about this show than I probably wanted to. Yeah, we've like, quite a while, yeah. The, the main event segment was whatever. It was your standard whatever. thing. Although it was a great example of the, you know, I, I think it was, uh, I, I got I can't pronounce his, his Twitter handle. It was Epi, Epitas or Epi... Oh, yeah. yeah. He could, he, he'll, if he listens to this, he'll make fun of me later, I'm sure. But he he tweeted one something like, um, you know, the, the WWE fans are like so desperate for the faintest echo of competent wrestling to justify their continued fandom that they are ready to react like anything is the greatest fucking shit of all time. And that was evident with that Miz and Reigns match. And that was evident again, that main event segment. Braun Strowman came out and he put Brock Lesnar through a table. Whoopty fucking do, you know, it was. And with a bunch of people at ringside whose job it was to separate them. And they, they, they they didn't at all. They didn't even try, really. It would have been cooler if they tried and failed, but they just kind of, they just kind of stood there. And I mean, you know, I'm not even saying the segment was bad. It was fine, you know. It was again, same as the match. I, it, there was nothing wrong with it. But to say this was like the great, but the WWE fans, because they need something to justify the, their continued fandom, basically, to justify the fact that promotion is so fucking successful that they. They just, you know, well, the, the segment was great. It was fantastic. It was awesome. And, you know, it was a man putting a man through a table. It was fine. You know, Braun is, Braun is cool. I like Braun. But it was just, it was just a segment. Wasn't the greatest thing ever. Wasn't really fucking awesome. It was just, Braun came out and he put the man through a table. Okay. And then the show mercifully ended mercifully, yeah <laughs> it's one of one of the worst three hours plus of my life honestly it was so fucking bad 
Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to do that again, maybe ever. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I say that now, I'll probably turn on the post media raw again and probably give up in like an hour, but like, I'll do the uh, 30th anniversary of raw or <laughs> whatever the next, you know, 15 raw yeah. 1500 or something. Yeah. But like, just, Oh, I, I, my, I, I hope for the, the sake of people actually watch that show every week. I hope that was an especially bad one. Cause if it wasn't, I don't, I don't understand anything <laughs> that people are doing with their lives, but yeah. you know, to each their own. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody out there loves it. So, yeah. um, but we should move on because we've already spent enough time talking about Monday Night Raw. The other purpose for the show, which I'm now definitely going to have to name like Raw 25 and Pure <laughs> our Pure uh, grab bag, was to talk about a bunch of the the Japanese professional wrestling shows that made tape in the past week. And again, so basically the way what happens is um the the first week of the year, which was the the Samurai TV um Samurai TV week, basically on Samurai TV all they're airing is you know like stuff from 2017. So basically like there's this whole week at the start of the at the start of the year where normally you know Samurai would be airing first run shows and instead they're just they're just airing um you know, like the best of 2017, right? right. So that, that creates this backlog where all these shows have to make tape this in this like in this week, basically. Well, and not helped by the fact that there was the DDT, yeah, King of D tournament, which there usually isn't. And that there was how many isn't. nights was that? Was that eight nights? That, that was, yeah, seven seven nights. Seven nights, okay. Um, but yeah, even if you take that out, though, it's still like you know, there's. Basically, like two big Japan crockets made tape last week, which almost I don't think that almost never happens in the same week. Um, one all Japan crockett made tape last week, and one made tape this week. You know, Gaora just takes forever to air their shows as always. Um, and then like a bunch, you know, stuff like that happened. Noah made tape this week, which was from a while ago on Samurai. They're just like a backlog, basically. And on top of that, obviously, we have Fantastica Mania. Right. So I think we go in chronological order here. And that means we would start with the All Japan 2018 New Year Wars, uh, January 3rd at Corken Hall. That aired on that aired on Gaiora, uh late sometime last week. I think um, the sixteenth. Yeah. So you know the the, the show it's basically they do two day they do two shows in a row for at Corken January 2nd January 3rd. The January 2nd show we had talked about on last week's show already. That was the the show that aired on Samurai the prior week, and that was right. the uh, the main event with Zeus and Joe Doring. And this was the show that aired the next night. Um, the main event was Judakama and Takao Taka, uh, Omori. Well, I don't know why I just suddenly forgot. <laughs> Defending the World Tag Team titles against Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa. Um, Ishikawa pinned Akiyama with a Splash Mountain in 2038. Um, this was a match I thought was really, really good. I, I feel like I'm on, I felt like I was maybe kind of on an island here. Um, I, I'd originally gotten like I think four and three quarters. I watched it a second time, and I saw what some of the crit- critiques people were making were, and I, I lowered it to four and a half, um, just because Omori, um, you know, he just kind of, he kind of had like a very, um, you know, he just wasn't really that involved in the matching points, and you know, he did look very old at some points. So I get that critique, but I thought the real story of this match was Suji and June, and their exchanges, and you know, I really thought like they were those exchanges were strong enough. To make up for the rest of the show, the rest of the match, maybe not being like that was the theme of that this match, you know. Um, well, you're gonna f- you're gonna feel like you're more on an island uh, 
I thought it was I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. I think I would have gone like three and three quarters or something like that. That's so, fine. So I was way I was way off from you. I just found it, and I like Omori. Like I know a lot of people don't really like to watch him, but I think he's I think he's good enough for what he needs to be. Um, I just found the match. I just the first half I couldn't get into. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was you know, watching the whole show or whatever mood I was in or something. I just couldn't get into it till the very end. Now I'm happy with the title switch and it's really the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially after they won uh, the tag team award after teaming together for about two days. But um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um I just I love the story of basically of Judakama just like making hamburger out of Suji's face with the with the knees. I mean, you know, just that like Suji's face was bloodied, you yeah. know, with repeated knees. And I just if if anything will get me to mark out, it's honestly just like just being able to see like real physical results, you know, in a, in a match like from something like that. And you know, Akiyama, you know, at that point he did like an exploder for a near fall. You know, that was a really good near fall right after he bloodied his face. Um, there was, like, a, a really cool spot where Sarama did, like, a this awesome backdrop on Omori right after that. And then he did, like, a double power bomb, which was a really cool near fall. And then Suji kind of, like, fires up after all that knee abuse he took. And then just, like, gets to Splash Mountain for the pin, which I thought was, like, the perfect time, perfect timing. Like, you know, I, I feel like... It, I want to reward a match for ending on the perfect moment. Like right. a lot of matches drag themselves out and like, you know, what had done like more near falls there. But I thought they, the story they told was Shuji took all this abuse, but he's such a monster. He fires back up. He makes his big comeback on June. He hits his move and he pins him. Like, I thought that was just the perfect ending of that match. And it told its story. It set out to tell a story and it told the story perfectly. But that's why I felt like I really wanted to reward the match for, you know, I, I was, I was in the first half more than you were. Clearly, but I I thought the the second half was so good, and told such a like a complete story and like in such a concise way that I thought it was worth the high rating. But I did come down a little bit to four and a half. But yeah, it's still like my, my number three match of the year right now. So I, I I really love this match. I will say larger picture. This is larger than this match, but it involves uh, June. He's done a very good job. I know there were some, you know. Is he is he booking? Is that confirmed? Do we know? I, I don't know if it is, but I think everybody assumes. Because it, I feel he's done a very good job of presenting himself as a strong competitor or wrestler, whatever, whatever term you want to use. But when he needs to lose to help someone, he's going to lose. Yep. And that and, has and, been very good. And him losing has not taken away from the fact that he's seen as a very good wrestler. Um, and very strong, but he has not been afraid to lose the match when he needs to lose, which this is one with the, with that team he needed to lose. Um, so, and as I said, it certainly is the right result, um, but I'm certainly happy to see him still performing at a high level and able to, you know, as this company continues to grow, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, that he can continue to be in that role 
of being in the upper upper mid card or upper card or main events continue to do that but to con- continue to put other people over yeah so and no i mean i i, I think he he's not okay with, he's he's totally fine to take a step back when he needs to like when he announced he's not going to be in the champion carnival or challenge the title anymore which i actually think he might have done that prematurely but anyway um but yeah but like the, the tag title scene he he was a great you know he's a great presence in and he he really put over should you strong here and put over that team strongly so right um but yeah overall it was, it was other than that there's not much to say about this show um you know the other undercard matches nothing really stood out it was a lot of uh pretty much pretty quick tags the only other match of note really was uh, uh Naoya Nomura against Ryoji Sai which Sai won in sixteen twenty nine. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of Psy. I didn't really the match didn't really grab me or anything. I thought it was I, I thought it was pretty good. I wasn't you know I wasn't going crazy about it, but I thought I thought it was a solid work match. I mean, it was, it was easy. It was silly to me. If you were to ask me, probably the second for me the second best match on the card. Yeah, that's fair because there really wasn't anything else on this card. Um, but yeah, like the. I would say it's about this. It was to me. It's about as good as uh, as Reigns versus Miz. Except I didn't have to sit through <laughs> three three two hours of other crap. Three or hours of yeah, or two commercial break. Um, but it was it was a perfectly fine match. I will um, I will say <laughs> I will say I don't. This will. I mean, it's very negative. All this dump of Puro over the last. Two weeks. I have seen so much Ultimo Dragon, <laughs> and I have seen so much Tajiri. <laughs> and they are two guys. I love Ultimo Dragon. He was huge when I was growing up. But I don't need, to, I don't need to see him anymore. And everyone brings him in for these anniversary matches. Yeah, he's everywhere all the time. Yeah. And Tajiri, I'm just, I'm like, I've moved on from him. Can you put the belt on anyone else yeah it just seems it just seems odd to me and i think i asked this it seems weird to me that all japan wouldn't want to put the belt like is tajiri a big is he a big draw in japan i don't know do we know i I assume he does draw his fans but like i don't i don't know i can't see how he's that big a draw i mean to me he's, he's, he's 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 probably i'm sure he's a name right but I just think you could put the title on someone else and try and main event a small, sh- like try and build them up and then main event some small show mm-hmm. and see if you can get at least something else to have in your pocket to have to say, oh, we're running a, a building with, I don't know, 350 people in it. Can we put a junior title match on the top instead of putting, you know, these you know, stars, you know, Ishikawa and Miyahara and all these people. I don't know. Maybe it's not possible or they don't have anyone in mind or something like that. Or Tajiri is a much bigger draw than I'm thinking or imagining he would be. But that's what I would, I mean, that's what I was thinking, especially on the one, two show on the January 2nd show. Yeah. I was like, you think you could put this on anyone else and you might be able to get, maybe a return or heat, like I said, heat someone up where you could get someone hot by putting the belt on them. 
and do some do something with them. Yeah. Um, but um, for, as far as the rest of the show goes, um, the only other thing of note, I guess, is Kai attacking Joe Dorn before the mat, the their tag match. Um, the match only ended up going like three and a half minutes, and there's kind of a cool spot where you know Kai's friends with Tajiri for some reason, and Tajiri, um, you know. He, Dorian had gone for the revolution bomb on Kai and Tajiri like blinded him with a poison mist right. which kept him from uh, being able to interfere in the match ending pretty quickly and afterwards you know Kai was kind of like yeah, I'm coming for your belt buddy so that's coming up on February 3rd in Yokohama which is a show that's thankfully airing on, on uh, Samurai Live so no well that's good yeah so I'll be able to see that really quick instead of having to wait around and can actually watch it unspoiled um, but yeah, so it's all Japan. Overall, just watch the main event. You, if you just watch the main event of this show, you'll be totally fine. Yeah, it's just like the January 2nd show where it was largely a one-match. It's a one-match show. Yeah. Um, so the next show we'll talk about is Noah, which on January 6th. Um, this is another Corican Hall show. The we can, It's an, kind of another one-match show, I guess. Um, there really wasn't much on the undercard that I thought was that interesting. There was the, the there was the exhibition title match with Taiji Shimori and Andrew Everett. That was fine. I thought that was pretty. Good. I thought that was pretty good. It was, I don't know. You, if, liked it more than, you liked it more than I did, probably. It was okay. I don't know that I would say it makes it a two match show, but if you had time, if you had time, I would say watch it. It's a fun enough match to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going out of my way to watch it again or or recommend it, but. You know, it was certainly it was two guys who are very talented doing a doing a pretty solid match. Yeah. So, um, Cork and I will say did not seem that in, that like um, interested in the fate of the X Division title because they were not into that match at all, really. So, um, yeah, but like the, the I just thought the match was kind of boring, actually, but. The Marafuji Maybach match, it was it was kind of cool while it lasted. Only won about 10 minutes, and you know, Mitsu and Nagai kept interfering since he's now Maybach's new buddy, not Maybach's gone heel again. But yeah, they had a, it was good while it lasted, actually. That probably was my second favorite match on the show. Well, and I thought it was just getting started, and then the match got thrown out. Was it a no contest or a DQ? Yeah, DQ, or... yeah, DQ because... Like it was just heating up. I was like, "Oh, this is you know getting good," and then it was a DQ, and I was like, "Okay, like I understand it's a story, you know, the story yeah. of what's going on with uh, Nagai." But I was like, "Oh, here we go," and then it ended. Yeah. Um, but that main event though, Kano and um, Kaito Kiyomiya, how did you feel about this match? Because I went four, and a, I went four and a half on this, and I, it's my current match of the year. So. Um, I went four and three fourths, and it is currently also my match of the year. Ah, okay. So we're pretty we're, we're close this on this match. one. We're very close on this one. So, you know, Kano is f- fucking fantastic. Um, he's a very good. He's a, he's got that look. You know, first of all, he's got that look. He looks like a badass. He's he's a little short. He's not the heaviest guy, but if you can get past that, he just looks like such a badass. That I think he's he's like really perfect for the role of this like badass heel champion, um, and I th- and I think he has the personality to go with it. Yeah. Or if you say, oh, he's very short, you know, oh, he's short, or 
whatever deficiencies he has, he makes up for it in that he has that that kind of uh, who cares attitude. You know, I'm going to, you know, follow me and I'm going to take us all and we're going to go, which I really like. Yeah, um, follow me, you bastard. We're going to go right. to Budokan. Yeah. And I think it comes through in his matches. I really liked the thing I really liked about this match was that, and I don't know if you saw the same thing, but I saw the story of, you know, Kiyomiya comes back. He's been on excursion. He went off to Canada or Michigan or wherever, you know, he traveled uh, and he learned how to wrestle and he comes back and he's doing all these wrestling moves. He's doing jumping elbow drops and, He's doing running power slams and Kano is like, no, we're going to, I'm going to fight you. Yeah. So with those, Kiyomi- those, those counter slaps. Remember those? Yes. When he was like countering everything Kiyomiya did, just slapping him in the fucking face. And <laughs> the story is that Kiyomiya, he has, he has fight in him. He, you know, he kept going. He was getting struck with all these blows by Kano and all these things. And he kept going. And the image that I'll remember is him. He was either getting up or he was on all fours on the mat and the camera zoomed in and the blood's dripping out of his nose. And the story was he has fight in him. He kept going for probably longer than you would imagine someone getting kicked and slapped and struck would, but he doesn't know how to, fight he has fight in him but he doesn't know how to fight like Kano knows how to fight and in the end he gets knocked out which is another thing I really loved I love the the finish of him getting knocked out it's perfect because like you're saying he doesn't have the fight he doesn't know how to physically fight the way Kano does and even when the crowd is cheering him on the crowd is behind him they're trying to get him fired up Kano kicks him in the fucking head he goes down that's it like, that's the kind of fist I love because, you know, you could have, like, again, same thing about the, as a tag title match. You could have kept going. You could have done a million near falls. But in, when you do a finish like this, where the, the superior striker just kicks the other man in the head, after all the damage he did, that's enough, and he's dead, it's, it, it wraps up the story with, an, with a bow, basically. And it ties everything together, and it makes it clear exactly what they're going for. And instead of just, you know, being a generically, you know, this is a a big main event. We've got to have 500 near falls at the end. So it's also a match where I think both of them come out looking better than when they yes. started. Yeah, I totally agree. Which is obviously for Kano is the champ. That's important. But Kiyomiya coming back his first, his first match, if this goes wrong and people don't buy into it and they go, oh, this guy, he stinks. Yeah, you've got a problem on your hand, but now you look at him and you say, "This, this kid, he really fought. He fought with everything he had, and he was bleeding, and he didn't submit. He didn't get pinned. He got knocked out. You know, he fought yeah. until he couldn't physically continue, which I think makes him look good. But it continues the story of Cano being this guy who you step in the ring with me, and I'm you're in for a fight, and yeah. I'm gonna try my best to make it so you cannot." Keep coming at me. I will finish you. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I, I hope they keep going with him. I hope he beats, um, in, you know, Yuko Miyamoto by KO too. That'd be, it'd be cool. If they just keep having, telling the story with him that he, he just wants to stand there and kick you. He's going to kick you till you can't get up anymore. So 
Well, it's um, also from a booking point. I mean, knockouts are useful. It's something that not a lot of people do. And I'm not sure. I mean, for some promotions where you're talking about, oh, we're, you know, family friendly or, yeah. you know, this promotion is, you know, Chikara is probably not doing KO finishes in their yeah. matches. But it's a useful tool. And as a company or as a booker, as a promotion, you got to use your tools, especially with a company like Noah, who's still trying to get back and they're trying to draw people. And they're doing a better job now, though. I mean, yeah, it's finally started. It turned around after, you know, took it. It took a year, but it's turning. It's turning around in Tokyo, at least. But they're doing a thing and they're, you know, they do a KO finish that says, you know, we're pulling out every tool we have to use. We're going to use it to make a good show. So I'm a fan of the KO finish. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And then the post-match angle is really cool because, you know, for people, for people who don't know, Kiyomiya, before he went on excursion, had been aligned with uh, Sugarera. You know, Sugarera had, you know, he, he was coming out and, you know, he, he kind of like took, made Kiyomiya's protege almost by force after, um, you know, after he left Suzuki Goon when Suzuki Goon left. And, you know, the two of them were kind of were partners and stuff. So, so Sugarera, who's also partners with, uh, you know, with Kano, he comes out to the match to check on his protege. He's like, well, you know, I'm going to check on, check on this kid. And Kiyomiya gets up and he pushes him away. He does not want anything to do with these heels anymore because he's wearing green. He came back to be Noah's, you know, Noah's new baby face ace. He stood up for himself against Sugarera and, uh, and Kano and, and and you know the two of them immediately because they're 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 heels and they're badasses. He, they, he checked on it first, but the, the moment this kid is like fighting back against them, they just beat the fucking shit out of him, yeah. which was great. And then everybody else runs out to save him. It, it was a great moment of like very subtle characterization for out for all, all three guys, and a great moment of like callbacks. And again, who did we talk about the start? <laughs> you know, they don't that promotion doesn't do callbacks certainly. You know, they do nostalgia, they don't do callbacks to the current guys, and they definitely don't do subtle characterization. They don't do subtle anything. So, I mean, that's really, it's really, if I if I did, like, try to point to something that I feel like we're missing in modern American wrestling, not even just WWE and Ring of Honor a lot of the time, too, this is, this would be it, you know? Like, just callbacks, subtlety, not everything has to be, you know, like a big giant angle or like something where you saw coming, you know, 10 miles away or whatever. It can just be this thing that happened. It's well, and it's happened. rewarding people who watch or attend your shows. Yeah. More than just saying, Hey, I went to this show and there were a bunch of great matches. <laughs> yeah. Which obviously helps, but you know, that's something that's important that I think sometimes people forget that they say, Oh, we'll just put on, you know, five great matches and people will love it. But the show ends and you go, I saw five great matches and, but why do I come back? What's the draw for me to come back next time? What's the... Yeah, exactly. And even if you're not running a big, you know, here's the big angle. Yeah. You know, you can do things to advance storylines, like you said, in ways that aren't massive written out promos or things like that. But yeah, so that was Noah, again, kind of a one-match show. Um, 
you know, you like that that impact match better than I did, so maybe you could watch that too. And and I would say watch Marafuji and, and uh Mayback. It's only like ten minutes anyway. Yeah, it went eleven twenty seven. So um but yeah, definitely definitely watch um the main event though. I mean that was another really fantastic match. And that brings us to Wrestle One, January eighth at Kirken Hall. Um so you're a Wrestle One viewer, right? You watch you watch pretty much all the monthly Corkins. I am. I watch all. I watch every show that makes tape that they do, um, or I have since um, September. Um, before that, I used to watch individual matches. Now I watch every show that makes tape. And actually, they have a YouTube channel. Yep. That puts up weekly TV shows that I watch or I try to watch every week because they're only usually they're between like 15 and 25 minutes. Yeah. They're very short and they're usually pretty good at, you know, they're in Japanese. So they're still a little bit like to me who doesn't, who's not fluent in Japanese. I'm still a little bit like, Hey, what's going on? But you can learn about, you know, learn a little bit more than in these airings where it's pretty much just, here's the match. Match is over. Here's another match. The match is over. You know, the TV has, they, I watched the one recently. I haven't watched the most recent one, but the one before uh, was talking about their junior, their cruiserweight uh, tournament they have coming up. Yeah. Um, and all the people in that. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I, wa- I watch all the Kurikans and the few shows in between the Kurikans that make tape. Not many, but yeah. Um, so, what would you say to somebody? Because of, of all the posts we're talking about today, I'm sh- I'm positive that this is not this is the one that the fewest amount of listeners probably watch. And you know, you know, I've I've had Jesse on here a lot, and she, you know, she loves Russell One, and she talk about she'll talk about it too. But from somebody else here, what what is the appeal of of watching Russell One? Why should people give it a chance? Um, I think they have an interesting... The thing that drew me in to start was Ashino's title reign, Jitaro yeah. Ashino. Because um, I like him as a character. I think he's a great wrestler. Um, I think he's presented well by the company. So that's originally what drew me in before I was even watching the full shows. I would watch all of his title matches. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be a starting place. I mean, the thing I like about it is it's a company with an interesting mix of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of very talented younger guys. I mean, Ashino is good. They have Ikamanjiro, who I know is very divisive. Um, really? But- he is? I fucking love yeah. him. Uh, he's look on Twitter. He's very divisive. Okay. I, um, I, I, but he's I, another guy, you know, he's 25. He's young. You know, they have this pro wrestling ACE, which is their developmental training school brand, uh, which is really pumping out a lot of people. Um, so they have kind of a very young developing group. They have a middle group of guys who are, still younger, uh, but pretty good or very good. Um, and then they have kind of the older veterans and, you know, I like Kaz Hayashi. I like Suji Kondo. 
guys like that, I like seeing them. I like seeing, you know, they brought in, uh, who am I thinking? Oh, Ryuji Hijikata. Mm. Um, they brought him in a couple months ago for the first time. And he's he's older, but he's another nice kind of veteran guy that they have. He got a cruiser title shot. Um, so I think it's just a nice mix of talent. Um, it's a small roster of people. So there isn't a lot of, Oh, this, you know, they obviously have the students who kind of circle in and out in the opening matches. Um, but it's a small roster that you can learn pretty fast. They have basic storylines and they have good matches. I mean, at the end of the day, if a promotion isn't putting on good matches, I'm probably not going to watch them. I'm going to say I would rather watch something that they're going to put on good matches. I mean, look, this is, this is the thing where I listen to, you know, I listen to voice wrestling flagship every week. And whenever they start talking about NWA, I'm just completely lost because I, I don't watch it. And it's like, when it, when it comes down to it, it's like if they're not going to – I don't care how great the the storyline videos supposedly are. If they're not going to put on you know good to great matches, I'm not going to watch. Because right. there's just so many promotions that are putting on really great matches. It's just – there's no point. So you know, I'm not saying Russell 1 is like the greatest match party in the world or anything. But like I'm, I'm, I'm sure as fuck sure it's better than Tim Storm and Josephus or whatever the fuck they're doing. So, you know. Right. And the thing is, I mean, they usually every card has at least one match. I'm like, that was a that was a really good match. Now this one didn't. <laughs> now this one that's what I was about to say. This one didn't. <laughs> but the shows are also they're Great. not a huge time investment either. Yeah. They're only two they're, hours. The once a month. They're two hours max. Yeah. The max is two hours. I mean, these are shows that fly by for me. Yeah, the Corrigans are pretty much always two hours because it's a it's a two hour window on Gaora, so they they just they just cut it, you know, they they right. cut out stuff to make it fit two hours exactly. They cut but out yeah. most of the entry, like it's yeah. it's usually match, you know, match match ends, and the next match, all the competitors are already in the ring. Yeah, and like they they do clearly clip some stuff sometimes, although not like the major matches. Right. So, but yeah, like there's some undercard stuff that's clearly clipped. I mean, they have um, good. Ashino is a great singles champion. Koji Doi and Kumagoro are a great tag team, and they're yeah. the sa- they're in the same vein of they're they're on the young side, but I think very good. I think I voted them third in my Wrestling Observer newsletter tag team of the year. I think. Joe and are the same? Yeah, I think you did vote oh. them third. Um, so I think they're really good, and they're young, so I can see them getting better. Um, and like a guy like uh, Takanori Ito is very young and, and already awesome and already very good. And they're, and they clearly recognize it and have put him in a position to succeed. Yeah. Um, like everybody on this roster, I feel like it's, n- there's nobody that's like, you know, where it's like, Oh, this guy's toiling away. He fucking, he's great. Or this guy's getting pushed. He fucking sucks. It's like, no, I, I pretty much feel like everybody's slotted where about where they should be. Well, and the thing is, the roster is so small, there isn't yeah. an opportunity to say, hey, let's put a bunch yeah. of these guys in some meaningless opener because they, yeah. don't, they don't have the roster to do it. I mean, everyone has to, if you're not in a meaningful tag in one you know, show, 
the next show you're going to be in something meaningful. Yeah. And the, the other thing like, like that strikes me too, is like the reason people, you know, why people should watch this. Like, look, if you watch a, a promotion and let, like, just call them the triumvirate, you know, the triumvirate, all Japan, big Japan, DET, you'll see a lot of the same guys since they, they share talent, you know, they, they wrestle on each other's shows. You'll see these guys somewhere. Wrestle one, you are not seeing Wrestle One guys anywhere but Wrestle One most of the time. Now, Jiro turns up has turned up in DT a bunch lately. Um, oh god, somebody else turned up. Well, like, and there are guys like uh, Hiji Kata was wasn't he an All Japan guy for years? Yeah, but not. A, but, I think, but like rarely anymore. See, like there's there's guys here like Kojiro and Kumagoro. You pretty much have to watch Wrestle One to see them. Ashina, right. Ashino, Ashino. You have to watch Wrestle One. Ito, you have to watch Wrestle One. Andy so Wu. Are, Andy Wu. These are all very good wrestlers that are worth your time to seek out. So yeah, watch Wrestle One, but maybe don't watch this show. <laughs> it really wasn't that good. Um, we kind of knew that going in, honestly. Um, like the card itself was kind of like just, it was the Kazayashi 25th anniversary match was the main event, which was like uh, Kazayashi, Shuji Kondo, and Dick Togo against Keiji Muto. The great Sasuke and and your boy, as you just said before, he's in every match like this. Ultimo Dragon. Um, I mean, the main event was fun. It, it wasn't. Uh, I liked one. It. I mean, I thought it's it one was, of those matches where it doesn't. In the end, it's meaningless. And you know, I've seen these guys, all of these guys in this match. Well, I mean, maybe not Muto anymore because he's yeah, he doesn't wrestle so, that often. But I've seen them do better in other places within the oh, last yeah. month. For sure. For sure. It's nothing worth going out of where to say, but you know what? It was better than Roman Reigns versus the Miz. <laughs> I'm going to go there. Fuck it. It was this match was a solid three and a quarter. And sure. Roman Reigns the Miz was three stars. So there you go. I'm gonna be pedantic with my star ratings. Give them the extra quarter star. This match was perfectly fine. It was good for what it was. An old th- six old men. You know, having a match. It's designed to and, get people into into the building to see these people. Yeah, and Mudo Mudo did a dive with no knees in front of nine hundred fans. So that that was that was something. But yeah, I enjoyed it. So I I, I had fun with it. Um, if you if so like that, that's a match where like you know if you want to see it, um, you know go ahead go ahead and watch. If you it. like the, if you yeah. like any of those guys in the match, you know Dick Togo or if you're a Kaz Hayashi fan who hasn't. Seen Kazayashi in a while. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, nothing I wrong mean, checking. I mean, it's only 15 minutes, too. So right. Like, there's nothing wrong checking this match out. Uh, but again, if you don't, you don't have to go out of your way to see it or anything. Um, the the rest of one tag title match, like this was the big disappointment of the card to me. Um, it was Kumadoi, who we talked about, or, or uh, yeah, Kumadoi. Ko- Kojidoi and Kumagoro. Right. But they, they call the team Kumadoi, I think. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Kumadoi, Kumagoro, and Koji Doi, they were taking on Naba and Ito. It was like an all new era battle since they're all right. kind of in the same unit. Although, you know, new, to be honest, the Wrestle One barely does their units at this point. The only um, units they really do is new era against uh, the infants. Yeah. Which yeah, the they wrestle on every show and yeah. they just don't like each other. Th- those are like, that's like the heel unit, which is like Shotaro, Shino, and um, uh, Yusuke Andy. Kadaka. Yusuke Kodaka, who's fucking awesome, by the way. Especially yeah. his, his heel term is really, really, really cool. I mean, I like and, that group. I'm not upset that they're in that group, but yeah, they're, they're it's an awesome. I, it's a really cool heel unit. Um, but yeah, and uh, and Tachibana, Mister 
Mr. Uh, what's the Saudi name? Oh yes, uh, punch yeah. with punch with skill. Yeah, like it's it's really something. Um, but yeah, that literally is him. Like uh, he's not kidding. If you look, if you see him wrestle, you'll be like, that is Punch Tomonaga. If Punch Tomonaga knew how to wrestle, like really, that is yeah. He has, he has the a, same look and the same, same manner. He does. He does like the he he does that like weird fucking noise, just like Punch will make weird noises. <laughs> but but he wrestles. <laughs> like he knows. Like he's actually pretty good at wrestling. Yeah. So, um. But yeah. So like you know what. I, I'm gonna go ahead. You, you, it's Yusuke Kodama, by the way, not Kodaka. Um, but yeah. Oh what? Yeah. Oh, Yusuke. it says. Oh, it says. Oh, it says Kodaka on Cage Match. I I just. I saw Kodaka and I was uh, like, oh, he, yeah. He, I think Cage Match fucked up then. Yeah, it's oh. Kodama. Um, unless I'm fucking up, but I'm pretty sure I'm not actually. So, um, and that's what that's actually what Pure Wrestling Spirit has too. I'm looking right. at that. But anyway, doesn't matter. Who fucking cares? The point is, it's a pr- it's a pretty cool um, it's a pretty cool little unit. Um, but yeah, so that that but that match though was kind of a disappointment. It went, um, about f- it went fifteen minutes. I just I, I never got that into it. It just never clicked for me. Which again, I like I like all four guys. So right. was I wasn't very- I wasn't crazy about it, and I've obviously seen better from Doi and Kumagoro. Right. I liked it in the kind of progression of watching Ito get these bigger opportunities. Um, like, I don't remember if it was the last Korokin or two Korokins ago, he got the title shot against Ashino um, in a match that I thought was good, but not, I thought it was really good, but not great. Yeah. And I thought that this really followed that suit of, you know, you have to remember, I don't even know how old is he? He's 24. Yeah. You know, he's still moving up the card. He's still developing. So I think he's learning the skills. It certainly wasn't a match where I was like, this is bad, you know, or yeah, anything like awful. that. And I, I know, yeah, not that you were saying that, but I, I'm, I was watching it more from a perspective of watching people develop as opposed to, oh, is this going to be a barn burner of a match? So in that sense, I liked it. I mean, of all the matches on the show, it's probably the match I would recommend the most. Yeah. I don't know if that's saying much um, just with this show. Yeah. I hear you. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, also on the show, I mean, the, other, the big news of the show was well, not even a match. It was Hannah Kimura coming out. Um, so, so earlier in the year, Hanakamura had originally trained with uh, the, the their ace school, pro wrestling ace, yeah, yeah pro wrestling ace. Which wrestle the unique thing about wrestle one school is like, you know, compared to other schools in Japan, is like even though it's, even though it's connected to a promotion, um, you know, if you unlike with other other schools, like you don't have to stay in the promotion after you graduate. Like someone recently, we talked about this last week with Jesse, but someone who graduated recently, like, said it was the dream to wrestle in zero one. Right. So they went to be a zero one tra- wrestler. It was like, imagine it being your dream to wrestle in zero one in twenty. Like when I heard that, I was like, what? But okay, sure, zero one. Well, that's what makes the wrestling world great. <laughs> if people want to wrestle at zero one. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's just a, it's pretty hilarious. But yeah, so um. But yeah, so that you can do whatever you want. So Hannah had started with Ace. She that was her affiliation. See, she had they basically did like a, a um like a Joshi match per show for the for a while, and they also had a oh god Rika Rika Sekai. I can't think of it Sekai. 
right? Yeah. They were doing well back when they first started, they were doing kind of they were doing much different cards than they're doing now when I think they were just Building the well, roster, no, is, so they were built. They were just bringing people in, but one of that was they would have a Joshi match. Well, well, that was that was this year they were doing that, like early in the first half of this year they were doing right, that. right, right. Yeah, so so they had like basically with with Ray, with Sekai and uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but whatever. Her and Hanakamura, the two of them would be uh, pretty much on every month, and they would be on every show. Um, that kind of like abruptly stopped, I think, in June, and you know, Hannah. Can, Hannah continues doing her own thing in, um, you know, in, in stardom where she's part of Oedo Tai. Um, she's also, she also makes regular appearances for Sendai girls. Uh, I don't know if she really appears anywhere else. Let me look at her cage match. I'm curious, but she, she's like a, basically just became like a Joshi freelancer who kind of rustles everywhere. Um, the meanwhile, you know, Reika Seikai is like, you know, she was the champion of Tokyo Joshi Pro for a while. She just lost the title back to Miyu Yamashita in a really awesome match, by the way. Yeah, that was a good match, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like, I'm looking at Hanukkah cage match. It looks like her 2017 was pretty much just um, Stardom and Sendai Girls, except she wrestled in Spain for something called RCW. And she did appear on, the, oh, she appeared on that wave show. That You remember you and I wanted to go to it? Oh, that big wave it. show! Yeah, yeah, and we couldn't yeah, get down there. Yeah, because like it was, it was the same day as the G one final, and like we just couldn't find a way to get from. Um, and it was an hour and a half away or something by train, and we yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah, it would just it would have been way too long. Um, but yeah, so the point is though, the she mostly just wrestled in Stardom and Sunday Girls, but she announced on this Corican on this Wrestle One Corican that she is joining Wrestle One because all these promotions do this. They do they bring out guys and guys and girls, and announce that you know new signings for the start of the year, and you know the there was a there were a couple big ones this year. You know one big one was Dick Togo and Michinoku Pro, which I did not see that one coming. That was kind of crazy. Although and uh, now he's got that. Now he's going to be out for a while. Oh, he's injured now? I didn't even hear that. Wait, is that who I'm thinking of? Someone, there was... Is it that Dick Togo that I'm thinking of? Could be. I haven't... Well, either way, Dick Togo's time yeah. in <laughs> And, um, you know, that was a big one. But here's Russell 1. They bring out Hannah Kimura. They announced she's the first female talent officially contracted Russell 1. She's no longer with Ace. And she's going to be wrestling on every Kurikin, looks like. She's already got a match announced. With a February 14th show. I mean, I think that's cool because I, I liked when they did that back in the, you know, earlier this year because earlier last year, I mean, because um, it just made them stand out, you know? It really helped them as far as like feeling different and everybody else because inter, intergen, you know, just having a female matches on otherwise male only shows is not something that's done really in Japan. Right. So I thought it was something that really like helped them stand out. But, but yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and I think she's. She's obviously talented, and like Very I said, talented. they have a small roster, so it's not like she's pushing anyone aside. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, she's she's a know. good wrestler, especially for her level of experience. I, I don't mind having her on the shows every month again. But that I just want to transition that to talking about the card real quick for the February 14th Kurrican, which will probably make tape probably around the... I think they actually announced it, let me see. Um, but it'll take a little while to make tape, unfortunately. That's, that's kind of the deal with... Any company that on, is only on Gaiora, <laughs> Gaiora takes forever it's a lot for anything to make tape. Yeah, um, but 
I looked that up. Let me give you the card. The the main thing is it's the first round of the Russell One Cruiser Fest 2018. Um, it's a single elimination tournament. Uh, the first round has Kenshin Chicano, who's a former Dragon Gate guy. He he had been in. Um, it was basically him and Ryoma were like the two rookies at the same time. And you know when Ryoma, who became later became Yohei, kind of you know had to leave after the whole monkey scandal thing. It, it, Chicano kind of left to the like you know he's clearly friends with Yohei and just kind of felt like he left in solidarity even though it's not mm-hmm. how it was treated at the time. But yeah, so he's on. He's been wrestling Russell one lately. He's normally a dub pro guy, and he's in the first round match here against uh, Masada, who's a Masada is a uh, Tokyo Gurantai guy. Uh, Yusuke Kodama against Alejandro, who's a, a new mask gimmick that debuted on this show. Um, I, I forget which trainee it was. Jesse told me the one she thought it was, but um, it was like a, one of these guys was like short but like stocky and built. So, um, but the point is, it's a new gimmick, new mask gimmick, and he, he had like a a cool little segment where he ran off the the heels after after that six man tag. So yeah. here, here he is wrestling Kodama, one of the the, the big cruise right heel basically. Um, and then you have Ryuji Hijikata against Kazayashi. Kind of like a more of a veteran clash here in the first round. And then you got the big one, baby. Their first singles clash since this gimmick debuted a few months ago. Andy Wu has to take on Drunk Andy. <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously, I am very excited for the clash of the Andes. I mean, I mean this that's what happens when you introduce a character and then, like, let it fucking boil for a while, and don't give us this match for, like, you know, four fucking months or whatever. Once you finally do it, it feels like a big deal. Because yeah, wrestling's not that hard. They've been across <laughs> from each other in these six mans for months. Yeah. So like, for a basically, long time. If you've been watching these Kirkens every month, you just see them face off, but never have that singles match. They give you the singles match. Feels like a big deal. It's really not that hard. But... Um, but yeah, so that's going to happen. And then you also have the, the first match for Hannah Kimura under her new Wrestle 1 deal, where she's teaming up with uh, Sayori Ano to take on Natsumi Monkey and Mika Iwata. So yeah, that'll be another, that'll be a Joshi well, tag match. And then the main event is, well, actually, I don't know if it's the main event, but it's the, the last match announced so far, which is the Wrestle 1 result title, which is like a, it's a weird name, but it's basically for like younger guys. Is the idea? Yeah, it's for rec- uh, recent trainee graduates or or something of the like for younger guys, though. Yeah. So it's Takanori Ito defending against uh, Jiro Ikemen Kushiro. So, or Kudoshio. So there you go. I'm I'm pretty excited for that. Should be. I'm. I mean, it seems like a good card. Um, I have no. I have no inkling of where they're going to go with this tournament, this cruiser tournament. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it airs on February 27th, by the way. There you go. So it's a while away. Um, just because Yoshioka has faced um, Chicano and has faced Hijikata in like the last three months or so. Yeah. I mean, he maybe. He won the title from Andy Oil. He won the title from Andy Wu at the big Yokohama show. I mean, has he? He hasn't faced Kodama yet. I don't think, right? He hasn't faced Kodama. He, he just faced Kenshin Chikano like a month ago. Right. They had a great match. That was really, it was really good. Yeah, that was like, a really it, good match. That was I just shockingly good. I don't normally like Yoshioka that much. I don't have a re- I don't have a read on what 
on what the division is is doing to yeah. to to say, oh, it'll be uh, this guy or some other guy. Um, I just don't have a read on that. Yeah. So, which makes it more exciting because I'm not sitting there going, oh, I'm waiting for guy X or guy Y to go to the finals. Yeah, anyone can win this. So, yeah, yeah. certainly. So it's a cool tournament. And yeah, that's going to, so that kicks off February 14th. It'll air on February 27th. So look out for that. And I wanted to put that over because, again, one of my goals in the show, my long-term goals is to get more people to watch Russell Long because I think, I think they had a really, really cool 2017. And as we said, it's, I mean, one or maybe two shows a month, two shows at most, and the shows are two hours, and they're very quick, and they're easy. So you're not getting invested in some promotion that's doing 15 shows a month or 10 shows a month. So it's very easy, and I I honestly do believe that there are a number of these guys who are in some – years, I don't know if it's a year or two years or five years, are going to be big deals. I mean, you already see it with Ika Manjiro in DDT. Yeah. He went to DDT and he got over very quickly. Yep. I mean, he's a very popular dude there now. So, I mean, I think I think there's nothing stopping, you know, I, I'm not one of these people who wants, you know, everybody to end up in New Japan because I think that's so fucking boring. And I think rooting for that is is almost as bad as just rooting for WWE to just sign everybody. Oh, no, not almost as bad. It's It's, you know, Let's say half as bad. I don't know, <laughs> but um, it's just it's just very boring. And I, I want to see a lot of places thrive, and I want to see a lot of places, you know, be successful. But with that said, I think you know there's very good chance somebody on this plus one roster will turn out to be the next Sonata, you know, the next guy that like just kind of decides they want to go freelance and ends up in New Japan. So you know what? You could say you saw Takanori Ito before he left. You could say you saw. You know, Daiki now before he left. Any of these guys, and even if that doesn't come to pass, maybe they, maybe they just end up regulars. You know, you know, elsewhere. Maybe they just end up like he came out making a lot of appearances in DDT or Big Japan or All Japan or something. So you know, you never know. Is the point? Or I mean, it turns into the. I mean, the hope or my number one hope would be that people start watching Russell One enough. Well, they well they develop these guys, and you know, because Ashino Ikaminjiro. Yeah. You know, Koji Doi, Kumaguro, or guys, you can say, okay, unless something weird happens and they get an, a freak injury, yeah. they're going to be around for a while. We have a base now that we can build around. Yeah. And now we have this base, and maybe they add people or they, you know, switch in and out these veterans. And they can, I think they have something to build on. And I think the attendance can get better. The attendance can improve, improve. more people will watch. And I think it could be a promotion a couple years down the line that could be, I mean, it could be much improved to me. Yeah. It could but be look, a much it, bigger deal. What, what does it come down to? Like they have a lot of, they have a lot of young talent right now. Can they, if they can churn out like another wave to support the young guys they have now in a few years, I think this could be like, a, like, like you're saying, it could end up being a pretty good, pretty damn good promotion. I mean, I think it already is a good promotion, but I think it can, you know, grow and be more popular. They just need a little bit bigger of a roster and they need to, they need to be able to do touring again, probably. They need to get enough people over to do that. But like, yeah, they need, they need like some more, they need more bodies. Basically right. And they're not trying to, they're clearly not trying to 
run before they walk where they, I think they're aware we have a small roster. We're building it up. You know, they're always bringing these pro wrestling ace trainees onto the show. Yeah. You know, I mean, ha- near the ha- bottom. Hajime, Hajime is one that I, that stands out to me. Is like I think Hajime thing. and uh, Jun Tansho are really yeah. the two, the two big ones. And then obviously uh, Ganseki Tanaka. Yeah. Who has this kind of mini feud going with, uh, Manabu Soya yeah. near the near the mid card or kind of upper mid card are really probably the three guys I've seen that I could see moving up, you know, yeah. in not in the near future, but next. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're 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 making they're making their way up, you know. Is what it comes down to. And I mean, that's what it takes. It's not going to be an instant overnight. Oh, here we've got five guys that are now amazingly over and they're huge and everyone loves them and we're doubling our attendance. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like kind of, like you said, you gotta, you gotta build it up. And I think they're doing a good job. And for a company that is building it up, they put on, they've put on some very, very good match or they put on some very, very good matches in 2017. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so everybody watch WrestleMania. But now moving on to our the full, the last promotion we're going to talk about before we get into New Japan. Um, let's briefly talk about the Dragon Gate uh, January 14th show at Indian Arena Osaka. Um, this is first of all, this is the first time I've ever talked about Dragon Gate on the show because you know I know I have another podcast, I Open the Voice Gate, and so I usually just save the Dragon Gate talk for that. But what the hell? Let's. I know you're you're a fan too. I am. So so we could talk about you know what we saw at a Dragon Gate here. Um, this show I thought fucking sucked. <laughs> I thought it was pretty bad. I mean, the only thing I really liked was the main event, and you know I'm I'm more down on Dragon Gate comparatively than I've been probably in a while. And I you know I, the second half of 2017 was good. You know it was a lot better than the first half. The first half was as bad a fucking first half of a year as they've ever had, honestly. Um, you know, they, I think if you talk to a lot of the longtime fans, they'll tell you they're, we're pretty frustrated. Um, you know, Jay, who runs the iHeartDG thing, of course, he talked about a lot about on Twitter about not liking last year at all. I think he was actually even for, even more down on this. Like, he actually didn't like the second half either, whereas I thought they did recover kind of the second half. But yeah, they've, they've made some choices lately that I think are really baffling. And the that are not that I don't think are really gonna put things back in the right direction. But yeah, I thought this show was pretty like, you know, it was exactly like what why it reminded me why I've stopped watching a lot of these Dragon Gate House shows. Because like there was just nothing of consequence, you know, through the first six matches. Right. And the you know, the main event was good, you know, it was a good Dragon Gate Six fan, but you can get a good Dragon Gate Six fan. On, on almost any Dragon Gate show in history. So certainly nothing worth going out of your way to say, but a good main event at least. But other than that, uh, the show is pretty... Yeah. Um, did, have you watched the Corican, the 116 Corican? I haven't yet? seen it yet. I'm waiting for it to air on Gayora because I didn't want to deal with single cam. All right. So I had watched it before this show, which may color some of my um, maybe opinion of this show. I didn't think this show was really any thing special. I don't think I disliked it as much as you. My match favorite match would have been the six man with uh Shima and Xavier and Wentz against Bandito mm-hmm. and Flamita and Saito. I didn't, I didn't think that match was that great, but I guess I um, 
Although it's funny because I like that match, but um, Bandito and Flamita and Xavier and Wentz have a tag at the Corican, which is which is leagues better. And I okay. thought the best show of the Corican. Um, I'll have to check that out. But this is my first time seeing Bandito, so I I like you know checking him out, saying okay, what can he do? He seems like an interesting guy. I mean, I know a little bit from following Lucha people and having them describe who he is. And he seems to me like a young guy with room to grow, but he has some skills already. Um, you know, there were things where I could see, oh, he seems out of place. Not not in general, but out of place in the ring, ring-wise. But I can see he has certain skills. Like he did that backbend headstand thing which he does where i was like oh that's you know it's an interesting thing i've never seen before i think he makes a good team with flamita um so i like that match um and also just to see xavier and wentz who i like from what i've seen from them um and i think they'll make a good addition to dragon gate just to see them debut i don't know if this this wasn't their official debut but you know the first televised thing that they had um, other than that, I was with you probably on the rest of the card. Um, I, I'm probably not at the same place you are with Dragon Gate, but I have, I also have frustrations with the way things have gone, have, have been going. Yeah. Um, the first half I would agree of last year was not good. Then they started getting it together um, and it now seems like they're in a weird place where they know what they want to do and they're just not going. Yeah. They have a plan, slowly, but they're like, should we do it yet? Only doing it. Okay. Let me, let me, let's talk about what the, the biggest thing. Berserk becoming anti ass or anti ass, anti I don't know. Anti ass. Anti ass. Anti, like anti, and then like. Not them, but us, like you as. Oh, anti oh, us. Or you say it really fast, so it's anti us. Anti us, okay. Well, anyway, whatever the fuck it is, I've never seen a, a, a unit change, a heel unit change that was more pointless, um, more worse built, and utter crap than this one. Like, remember, this, this made it, the, these two matches are my, my first exposure to them. I didn't watch the key. I didn't watch the Corican yet. Right. That music is just you know just the most generic thing I've ever heard. I'm sure they'll they'll eventually like uh, flush it out more with the you know with you know with like um, the like lyrics and stuff. So, but the music right now is very generic. The color scheme is almost exactly the same, which to me is far more egregious than the music. That you you went from like red being primary and black being secondary to black being primary and red being secondary. Whoop de fucking do. Yeah. Who fucking cares? Like one of the big best parts of a healing to changeover is after after all this time of looking at the same fucking costumes, you get to see new costumes, new colors, right? Because they're all they all have to wear them. So like otherwise it can look it starts to look, you know, all the same. Inverting the color scheme did almost nothing. They're still wearing black and red because now the black is a little more prompt than the red. Like, who fucking cares? 
So that really pissed me off. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the membership is exactly the same. I'm just, let's do a little thought experiment here, okay? Let's talk about the heel unit changeovers in the past. I want to describe to you how what happened each time a heel unit changed over. You probably know most of this already, but most of the people don't. Well, most people listening at home might not know. So let's, let's talk about this. Blood generation to muscle outlaws. When that happened, that was a big fucking angle. You know, Shima and... Gamma had a big falling out when Gamma had been brought in to replace Matsu Kishiwada and like the rest of the 